Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to MTAS Radio. Our purpose is to empower you with meaningful dialogue and conversation like the one you'll hear today that will make you think and ultimately lead to actions where actions are so desperately needed. If you can, you can take out the time right now to like us on Facebook. That's my name, the sword. Like us on Facebook. That's M hyphen T A S for short. That's how you can um, find us online um, and like us on Facebook. Again, that's M hyphen T A S for short. That's how you can find us um, um, on a. Um, in the world of social media. Also, um, visit www.m-tas.org. Again, that's www.m-tas.org. That's how you can um, locate us um, again um, on the World Wide Web. Um, And while you're out there, be sure to visit the resource tab and get much-needed information about protecting your families with the freedom, comfort, and security that life insurance provides. Folks, uh, remember that millions of Americans are currently at risk of losing their life insurance protection or um, they do not have protection to begin with. I tend to refer to it as living without protection. So if that is your situation and um, you want to do something about that, why don't you um, jot down this number and um, try to reach out to me Monday through Fridays that number is 773-881-9555 again 773-881-9555 um you can call that number um and um a licensed life insurance advisor and counselor could certainly talk to you about taking care of that most important need and that most important concern as we um typically engage you in meaningful discussions surrounding um, economics, politics, um, religion, and relationship. Folks, we certainly want to keep in mind things that uh, we can do, things that's within our area of influence and things that's within our um, circle of influence, right? Oftentimes we talk about things, we tend to focus on things that um, we might not have a direct control of, but when it comes down to um, sound financial planning and sound financial advice, that's certainly um, something that um, that's within our realm of um, control and influence. So again, jot down this number, 773-881-9555. Again, 773-881-9555. Folks, remember, um, keep in mind this hour is being brought to you by John Green. Um, Agency of American Family Insurance. Um, There you have it. Folks, if you did not join us last week, certainly go back. Go back to... 
the radio tab. Again, www.m-tas.org. You can go back to the radio tab. Um, click on the radio tab, folks, and you can um, tune into last week's um, last week's show. Great, great, um, great information shared. Um, a few of our callers came in, uh, were called in, and um, engaged us a little bit as we um, as we talked about broken black relationships right we asked the question where is the love that's what we talked about last week we asked the question where is the love right family community and perceived dead beats um great great information great um great information that was shared i shared um as i often do a news um a news uh report that talked about broken black relationships and asked the question, where is the love? Um, again, this was, you can find this in New American Media. Um, that was last week's conversation. If you miss, again, folks, go back to the website and you can get that information. But today, folks, we're moving right along um, as we talk about um, the importance of of relationships, as we talk about the importance of um, family in the African-American community. Um, we're asking the question, how much money Right? We're asking the question, how much money will it take to fix our relationships at home? Um, let's think about that, folks, because if you followed me last week, um, if you did not, um, you can go back and listen to a part of what was being said and what was being discussed. But a part of the issue that was raised is um, in terms of the desirability of African-American males in our culture, in terms of their functional uh, position where relationships are concerned, where um, marriage is concerned, and home life, right? Our um, black males in our culture right now, are many of them desirable, right? When you look at um, issues of unemployment, when you look at issues of education and things of that sort, are, um, are, are black women consciously making the choice to avoid being in certain relationships or avoid certain um, individuals, right? I think it was um, uh, Brother Umar Johnson um, who asked the question, or he said, what woman wants to marry and have children by a man she perceives as being a deadbeat, right? And we kind of um, went along, went from there, right? So, again, um, that whole notion of deadbeat and how that connects with the um, idea of money and uh, financial stability, and we're asking the question today, how does that whole idea of money and financial stability come into play when you're talking about um, current-day relationships, right? When you talk about um, marriage today, when you talk about home life today, how much um, does money play a role? So, again, we're exploring the question, how much money will it take to fix our relationships if you think that money is the answer right if you think it's an issue of um if the brother had a job maybe he um would be a better mate right if that's part of your your thought process if um if we had more money coming in uh we'll have less disagreements less arguments oftentimes we hear people say that one of the number one reason for um divorce in America today is um financial matters and financial um um, discomfort and things of that sort. So let's think about that, folks. Um, is that real when you read that? Is that is that just something that we read about um, in media, or is that real to um, you? Is it real to people that you know, right? So that's what we're talking about, folks. And, um, again, um, one of the things that I post on Facebook today, I, I said that how often do we hear, right? How often do we hear about what's not working in our relationships or hear ideas that express that we are losing faith in our men or men not or men um, not being excited about their relationships beyond the bedroom, right? But secretly, I think we all desire to have lasting and meaningful relationships that work, that hopefully our children or our young ones can model, right? I don't pretend to have all the secret I don't pretend to have the secret sauce. There are no perfect people, but success does leave clues. So that's what we want to explore, folks. We want to explore what um what are what are some of the um what are some of the um 
ingredients, if you will, that leads to um, successful relationships, not just in the African-American community or other communities as well. What is it that um, leads to um, success when you talk about um Success in relationships, success in marriage, success at home, and things of that and things of that nature. How often do um, we talk about success from that standpoint or that vantage point? Right. Um, I shared an article on the MTAS page as well as the MTAS page as we talk about relationships, as we talk about marriage. Um, this article is entitled "What Patrick Monahan Knew About the Importance of." Two parents. Let's try that again. What Patrick Monahan knew about the importance of two parents. How often are folks having that conversation, right? Um, have we um, have we done away with that thinking? Have we done away with that um, with that model in the African American community? Um, do we think that that model or that rationale is dated, or it's not? Factoring, factoring in some of the other concerns that might be um, just as meaningful to discuss, right? Um, have we, are we currently living what some would call or refer to as a new normal? What does that mean? Um, have we um, seen too many generations or successive generation that exist in the um, from the aspect of um, uh, single female headed households? Has that gone on so long that now that has become our new normal? Do we even see that as a problem? Right? Do we look at that and, and and say, well, you know what? That's probably something um, not quite right with that methodology, with that picture. Do we look at that as being a state of brokenness? Right? Um, oftentimes, when I'm on social media and I might see people rant about relationships or rant about African American men and or the children, father, and things of that sort. Um, are we right to criticize? Um, Men, right? Are we right to criticize men without also critiquing um, women who's making choices to be in certain situations with certain um, type of men and certain type of brothers? Not to beat up on um, men or women. I, I, don't, I don't see any profitability or any um, uh, fruitfulness in playing the blame game. But I think we have to look at these um, these questions or look at these issues from a number of um, a number of vantage vantage points. Again, if you look at um, the report that was released early in the early in the uh, well, I think it was 1960 when he uh, when Patrick Monahan um, actually released his report um, during the Johnson Lyndon B. Johnson administration, where he saw troubling signs um, in our community relative to um, the family structure, right? Relative to the family structure, um, and he saw the family structure, the two family um, two parent house. Household, um, as being a primary uh, predictor of social outcome. You know, that was a quote that was um, attributed to him. Family structure is the primary predictor of social outcome. So as we talk about money and how much money will it take to um, fix our relationships, if you will, if it's just about money, um, from his standpoint, he said that it's not just about the economics. It's it's just the family structure to begin with. It's the um, the values, if you will, um, in terms of our idea about family, our idea about um, what it means to have a successful um, relationship or a successful household. Yeah, again, if you again if you go to my MTAS page, you'll You'll see um, this article, and he talks about. He said family structure is the primary predictor of social outcome. Mm. So, what say you folks? I know oftentimes when we're met with information like this, uh, we can certainly point to um, people who um, did not have the ideal situation. I didn't. For, I'm for one. I didn't have an ideal situation. Um, my mother and father never married. Um, in full disclosure, um, my father certainly wasn't absent. He was um, he was there. I always had a birthday. I always had a Christmas. I always showed up at every, every graduation and things of that sort. But um, I, I could certainly see where certain things probably was missed as well as I look back on things. But 
again, there are no perfect people, there are no perfect families, there are no perfect solutions. So um, what do we do with what do we do with that? So again, certainly we could point to individuals that may be an exception to the rule, right? But uh, an exception to the rule isn't necess- doesn't necessarily mean that's the way that we should be doing things, right? And oftentimes I wonder, um, oftentimes I wonder, do we even see? Um, do we even see that type of be that type of behavior as being um, a problem? Do we even see that type of um, activity as being a problem? Or, again, has the single-parent situation become our new normal? And let's think about it. When we, when we look at what's taking place in the African-American community, let's ask ourselves a very fundamental question. Are we winning? Are we winning? And what does it mean to win? Right. Um, look at when we look at the educational attainment of many of our young men. When we look at what, what many will refer to as being the um, the um, the um, the prison pipeline. I forget how they refer to it as, but as we talk about the prison industrial complex, and you survey many of those men who will tell you that um, their father was not engaged, or they didn't know they they didn't know their dad, or, and things of that sort. We have to ask ourselves if, in fact, um, this is our new normal and if we are winning uh, with our current day behavior. Because according to this report, it hasn't always been this way. Um, I think it was like maybe 1960 that we began to see that shift in terms of how we began to um, understand family, value family, and do family. And and, and interesting enough, when I talk to young people today who are struggling with, in, in relationships and struggling um, to make some sense out of this current day reality and their giving up on um, any committed type of relationship, right, not really having faith in it, um, you know, they're asking themselves the question as well, Where did, when did this shift occur? What happened? You know, what's really going on, right? Or are we all asleep at the wheel and not seeing this as a problem? Again, Patrick Monaghan, he saw this as being a problem. He saw this as being a problem. And, again, the article is entitled What Patrick Monaghan Knew About the Importance of to parents. But what say you folks as we um have this important conversation? Seven seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Um what's your perspective on this? Maybe you've grown up in a, a single family household and maybe you might be an exception to the rule. Maybe you have not even pondered any of these questions and um consider any of these things um to begin with, but just as a simple analysis, uh, you know, if it takes two of us to create life, certainly it takes two of us to um, make life make sense as well. But I definitely want to come to the phone lines. I don't want to do all the um, um, talking around here, so I'm going to the phone lines now. I think um, that is Miss Stephanie joining the conversation. I haven't been with us with us in quite some time, but I believe she's with us now. Stephanie, is that you joining the phone lines with us today? Hello. How we doing? How we doing? I'm well. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Um, miss having you along for the ride. It's been a while. I know you've been um working and doing working on some other things and things of that sort. But always um uh, good uh for you to call in and weigh in on the um conversation and the discussion. And um, we always tend to um um enjoy your input and the value that you bring to the discussion. So um, thanks for calling in. Definitely appreciate that. So I don't know if you had the opportunity to take a look at the article or read some of the article, or uh, maybe you might be familiar with the name. Patrick Monahan. A lot of a lot of individuals in the um, African American community took issue with uh, with his report that uh, was released in the 1960s, which um, he saw trouble. Right, he saw trouble in paradise. He saw a trend. In fact, I believe the report was entitled "The Negro Family: The Case for National uh, Action." I believe at that particular time. Um, the um uh, the the out of wedlock birth in the African American community was roughly about twenty three point six percent. Now we're talking seventy percent. So interesting, right? When he kinda sounded the alarm and said, you know what, it's a little trouble in paradise. This is not um this is not a very um 
this is not a good trend, right? Um, and at the same time, we also saw in other communities that um, there was a similar trend. Um, but um, in the African American community, it was it was quite alarming. It was quite alarming. And um, I, you know, and many was, and, and I think the case that he was making is that um, this this was not. At the moment where the whole effects of deindustrialization was felt, meaning that um, jobs were leaving the community and things of that sort. We're talking, um, we had uh, unemployment was still um, stable within the African American community, for the most part, stable as stable could be when you're talking about unemployment in the African American community. Um, but at the same token, you still had this very troubling trend in terms of um, women deciding not to marry, but yet. Um, become parents. And again, during his day, we're talking 23%, and now today we're talking, um, some have said 72%. So what's your thoughts about that? Uh, Do you think he was right to sound the alarm? Do you think that um, what he saw in terms of the trend was troubling, or do you you even find the trend troubling today? Um, Most definitely. Um, I think it's it's, it's only as a person who has the mindset to sound the alarm or to make people aware of what may come or what may be happening or what is happening. Um, Sometimes we allow things just to kind of happen and then we look up and things have changed, things have um, then we wonder, okay, how do we get to this point? Um, Perfect example is our school system. When do we get to the point that our school system has crumbled as far as that it has? And my question is, when did it start? And when it did start, were we warned about it? Did we see any signs of it? And then my question is, if we saw anything, if we did, if we knew anything about it, would we have done something about it? And it's the same mm-hmm. thing with the black family. Um, if it would be an injustice if it was not made aware that if you saw numbers begin to go of something that has always been the pillar of a pillar of the black community, the black family. Um, it's always, even myself and, and just get a little personal or just even say I was not raised with, by my father. I was raised by my mom. My mother and father were not married. My mother and father literally, they separated and went their separate ways when I was very young. My my um, relationship with my father was pretty scattered. Um, saw him, went to his house from time to time, but barely saw him like every day like most children would have, even in those who have good relationships with their children. Um, they may have a, a have a good uh, relationship with them where they actually have they see them. Meaning, it's not just that quote unquote they can go visit them. They can go. They can pick their child up every day. It's that their relationship is still intact. That wasn't right. me. And so, and you're talking about the late seventies. So you're talking about the late seventies, and he's and this is something a report he did in the sixties. Right. You have to think about as far as sixties. 70s, the trend begins. So probably by the time the late 70s came out, you're talking about 23%, it probably grew to probably 40% by that time when you're dealing with a different type of, um, as, as people evolve and people begin to do different things. Um, especially by that time, that was a great white flight, as we would say, when when the housing market began to open up, when people had the opportunity of moving to other cities, when jobs began to leave the community, and then you have the situation of when there's no job, the man can no longer take care of a child, they go to the government, but guess what? The government does not allow to have that two-parent household intact in order to take care of the child. So, of course, the man will take the brunt of leaving the family in order for his children to eat. So yeah, you know, I, yeah, no, no doubt about it, and I, and I appreciate you sharing your personal story and your personal history. Uh, you know, oftentimes, uh, well, yeah, when I had the opportunity to um, speak about um, these type of matters with my mom, right? Um, you know, reading about this kind of stuff, um, asking myself certain questions, and also, you know, reviewing what I saw, what I experienced, and what I live. Um, you know, my mom being from Alabama, moving to um, Chicago and things of that nature. Um, you know, it. You know, we talk about what young people do today. Um, you know, as you pointed out, you know, and as um, Monahan pointed out, he saw this trend in the in the '60s. You know, I was born in the '70s. Again, my mom and father never did marry. Now, interesting enough, she did. Her mother and father was married in the South, right? So she had those. She saw a certain um, a, a certain 
family structure, if you will. You know, I remember going to visit my grandmother, my grandfather. Now, what's funny is that she she recounts the story that when her older sister um, had a child, right, she was like a Sunday school teacher in church. Um, she had to kind of like um, get removed from that office in the church, and that was during a time when people will maybe send a daughter back to the South and to say, hey, um, if she comes back or if a child shows back up, it's the um it's the sibling. It's not that daughter's child, it's the sibling, right? Because um I guess there was a there was a family name to protect, there was an image to protect, um, there were some values that we still held near and dear. Again, my mother telling me about um her older sister being uh, removed from church office and things of that nature after she became pregnant and she wasn't married. Now you and I both know um I did a show um, a year or so ago where people were giving this reverend a hard time because he chose not to christen the child because he said that that was against church policies or his religious policies uh, because of the whole marriage issue. It wasn't the fact that um, it wasn't the fact that he was saying um, "damn the child" or "curse be the life." He was just saying that this is not consistent with the morals and the doctrine of this religious institution. And as someone who's taken an oath to uphold this, this is what I choose not to do. So it's so again, that's a there's a cultural shift. That that means there's a cultural shift. There's a shift in terms of um the idea the idea in from one generation to the next. You get me on that? Mm-hmm. I understand, definitely. I understand that there is a change in belief. Um, we tend to believe that it's based on the fact of marriage and children. It's based on religious belief. But let's think about it. It's more not just set in religion. It's set mostly in as far as socially because, obviously, even if you would never say you're an atheist and you never believe in a, a higher being or an intelligent being, but you understand that socially a child tends to work better when you have the male and the female counterpart as far as mother and father, two-parent household. And mm-hmm. even if you're, and I know I may get some flack on this, but even in a gay and lesbian relationship that has a child, that child still needs a male counterpart. In a gay relationship, that child needs a female counterpart. There is a yin and a yang. There is a balance that needs to be done. So you cannot X out one and not expect something to be missing. So even they have to recognize that. I have a friend of mine who happens to be a lesbian, and she's been married. She's been with her partner for a very long time, and she has two boys. And two boys, I think, and a daughter also. And she would tell me, she told me in a heartbeat, she said, be honest, Stephanie, Mike, can you see that church across the street from my house? They have a men's group every Sunday, every Saturday. And guess what? I take my boys over there every Sunday, every Saturday for my boys to have mentors with these men and see how these men interact and how they are because at the end of the day, I am not a man. Mm-hmm. And I have to understand that even though I may take on a male she may have, she may take on a male personality, not necessarily personality, but a male um, the um, her, what's her name? But she understands that there's something she can't even give to those boys, and they mm. need that male counterpart. So there is a need for that because I believe that's what it was created for. And so when you start to look at it that way and try to take away the whole religious aspect of it and look at the social aspect, then you start to really think about, okay, why things were created the way they were created. And you understand, like right now, things have changed to a point. My grandfather, my grandfather was 93 when he passed, but I remember when he was about 90. And I made the comment, I told him, I said, Granted, you're going to be here long, long after I have my children. He said, you better hurry up. Now, I said, Granddaddy, I'm not married. And he was like, okay, what does that mean? But by this time, just about all my my cousins had already had children out of wedlock, multiple children out of wedlock, um, by different types of men, different women. Um, the males mostly are the ones who got married. The females are slowly but surely later getting married, and some of them probably would never get married. Um, so tell me this. That's interesting. That's interesting. So do you think that came from, okay, hey, I only have a certain amount of time left on this planet, so therefore, hey, you know what, you need to um, kind of um, hurry up a little bit, or do you think it also come from um, maybe we do not have a real deep understanding as to why these issues are important? 
we don't have a deep understanding. We totally believe that, oh, well, I missed it or not necessarily I missed it, but I can do it all on my own. We have this independent, I can do everything on my own type of mentality. I can give this child everything I had or I didn't have. This child won't miss me or won't want not is what I hear. Um, but when I'm amongst my female friends who don't have children, which I find, I found it very interesting. A lot of my female friends do not have children, nor are they married. They believe the same way I believe. When we're approached with the same thing when it comes to children, especially us in our 30s, we're in our mid to late 30s. You just imagine the constant, you need to hurry up and have a child. You need to hurry up and have a child. You need to hurry up and have a child. And all of them like, hey, do it look like I'm married? And then when the argument, when the goes back and say remote and say, well, you don't need to be married, really? I actually had a girlfriend of mine tell me that one of her, a couple of her friends told her, why don't you just go sleep with somebody and have one? Mm. And it was like, really? So you're telling me to go have a one-night stand, sleep with somebody, have a child, and not think about what that child is going to have to deal with. The child will always have to deal with the fact they don't know who their father is, no relationship with that father, um, wondering why in the world would my mother not would keep somebody away from me. You don't know anything about that male's history. You don't know anything about his family. You don't know about his mental capacity or his mental history. You know nothing, but you just want to have a child. That's when there's a problem. And when we start getting to the point of thinking that stuff is okay, then it's like, okay, really? What's going on here? Yeah, no doubt about it. Seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Stephanie, I appreciate you joining the conversation. Folks, we're raising the question and exploring the question of how much money um, will it take to fix our relationships and home. And Stephanie, I know that you, um, you know, we've been talking around this whole issue, and I don't know if we spoke directly to um, the question that's really on the table. Um, when you when you when you look at relationships, when you look at marriage, and you look at um, those of us who have decided to do family apart from a marriage or to do family apart from being in a committed relationship. Do you think a part of what's driving that ideology and that behavior is this whole notion of money that, hey, uh, I'm the greed, I, 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 um, I have a great job, I can care for this child on my own economically speaking, so therefore I don't necessarily, I want the, I, I want the kid, I want the child, but I don't necessarily need the relationship or the marriage. Is that could that be diluting some of what's taking place uh, within many of these communities? I don't even think it's the diluting. I think it's the something that we tell ourselves to convince ourselves to believe this is okay. We don't think about the future. We don't think about what necessarily that child is going to have to endure, rather, in the questions they may have, in the things that they may need that you cannot provide for them, and everything that you cannot provide. And we don't want to admit that we we cannot provide for everything. We cannot give you everything. We can give you all the physical and material needs and live this glorious life and give this child something, but that child is still going to be missing something. And... Not to mention as far as understanding in situations where a child may, you may lose your partner in death and that child may not, but understanding that child knows who their family is and mm-hmm. to know necessarily what, who they are. It's important. I mean, if men, let's think about it like this. If men understand as far as their seed is being their legacy, then why is it important for your child to know who their people are? as well as things that who they are because that's who represent their ancestors, those who who came before them. That is important. History is important. And that's something that we have to not get rid of because the reason why a lot of this stuff is the way it is right now because you have a lot of these children who don't know who they are, and a lot has to do with their past not being revealed to them. Mm. So of course you're going to react the way you are. Yeah, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. Again, um, when I was reading this article, and I, I grabbed one of the quotes from the article and I posted it on my Facebook uh, page to get this conversation started, um, and this gentleman, Lawrence Mead, he said, what matters for success is less whether your father was rich or poor than whether you knew your father at all. You know, and um, that's that's pretty it's pretty deep and pretty powerful you know um it's not just about is economics a factor certainly it's a factor um 
you know, is um, to what degree is it a factor when you talk about um, successful families and successful uh, marriages and things of that nature? That's certainly something we uh, we should explore and talk about, right, because we certainly understand that, um, you know, um, it takes money to make some of these things happen and to make certain things right, work. But his point um, is that is that's less of a factor. He says, again, I quote, what matters for success is less whether your father was rich or poor than whether you knew your father at all. And I think that's in I think that's heavy, right? Um, not just knowing his name, you know, not just knowing what he looked like. Did you know him? You know, do you know him as a person? Uh, did you spend time with Did you spend time with that individual? Did he take out the time to spend, um, to talk with you um, and things of that nature? And um, I don't necessarily know if uh, many people of our generation really factor that in. You know, really factor that in, as you as you pointed out. Um, you know, um, again, you know, your grandfather he, he's long gone now, but just that whole piece of you know somebody knowing their father. What does it mean to know your father, right? Um, spending time with that other uh, that other male counterpart. Oftentimes, people say part of the reason that um, that some um, some males have problems with, with other males is because they did not have a father um, to connect with in their home. So they don't know how to engage with other men, right? So that's an uncomfortable situation for them. So um, they didn't see um, um, their father and mother um, have conflict and resolve those conflicts, right? Because, um, you know, it's not about being perfect. It's not about that. But it's about seeing a problem, seeing how people address the problem, handle the problem, and fix the problem, right? And sometimes that can take place in the presence of children. And when we don't necessarily um, – model that, uh, we could be putting individuals and children in particular at a disadvantage. So, again, he said, uh, it's whether you knew your father, you know, whether you knew him. And sometimes, you know, I hear people talk about, well, my daddy was at home, but um, he didn't do much. So I don't necessarily think that a man in the home um, who's who's not necessarily modeling the correct or appropriate behavior is the magic bullet, but we have to learn what that's all about as well. And that leads me to another question, Stephanie, and I, um, if you can stay with me. What do you um, – oftentimes, like I said, I, I see people criticize and they critique, um, you know, their children, father, and things of that nature. And sometimes, um, you know, I, I wonder if they – Sometimes look in the mirror themselves, right, and say, okay, well, what was I thinking? Did I know the right characteristics to look for uh, when it came down to family planning, right, when it came down to family planning? So from your standpoint, what characteristics do you believe, right, must be present in the lives of men um, who desire to be great fathers and great husbands? I know you're not a man, but certainly you're a woman, and you should uh, be uh, at least have thought about some of what I'm asking or consider it, or you've probably already done this type of mental work or whatever. So what do you think some of the um, the correct characteristics are uh, that must be present in the lives of men who desire to be great fathers um, and great husbands? Um, as far as just if you're talking about like a wish list or something like that, but I think that just somebody who's attentive, somebody who understands the responsibility, understand that it's not just a one-dimensional, it's actually multi-dimensional. There are several, I mean, it's not even a three-dimensional, it's more of an octagon, meaning that you are so, you are one person but have so many different sides, that you can be serious, but at the same time you can be funny, and you can be goofy, and you can also be hardworking, but also know how to relax and have a, have a good time and have fun. You can be this, you can be that. You have to be so many different things, but understanding how you can still be you without changing, and that person, a child, can see who you are. Also understand that when you're dealing with two people who can make this child, you're dealing with two different personalities and being mature enough to understand how to deal with that person. And that relationship itself may not necessarily work out, which we always want that too, but if it don't, but just understand at the end of the day, you two may not be able to be a partner, but you guys are partners in this, in the relationship. You're still in a relationship because you have a child or children to work together. Um, there was a cute little video that was on Facebook a couple of weeks. It was a little girl, couldn't be no more than probably about three or four years old, literally telling her mom and her divorced dad, you two, please be friends. 
said and again. They were saying what now? She, the little girl could have been no more than four years old, and she was telling okay. her mother and her divorce and her father, they're both divorced, and apparently they could not get along. And the little girl literally told him, Mommy and Daddy, I need you to be friends. You two mm. need to get along. And okay. anytime you hear a child that young even realize that there is tension and there's a problem, your child see that. And you have to be mature enough to understand that at the end of the day, I chose this person to be the parent of this co parent of this child and they chose me. I can't get past it. It is what it is. Regardless if I think it was a bad mistake or not, you still have a child that you must take care of. And if that was a mistake, then something's wrong with you. At least look at the positives in that. I got you. Um, so just as a recap there, I'm listening to you, but I don't know if I'm hearing you. So what? What? So the three things that you said um, by way of characteristics, uh, if you could just run down the three things for me, and then I'm going to go to the phone lines again. What are the three characteristics that you said that must be present um, in the lives of men who desire to be great fathers and great husbands? Just as a recap I, I, there. I, I just mentioned, I said attentiveness. And also, um, I said being attentive, understanding that you are in a partnership, regardless of if there's a love there or not, at the end of the day, you chose them. And then another thing, be more of a more multidimensional than three-dimensional, meaning be different things in one person, but understanding that you have to be those different things. You can't be one person and then expect everything just to come together. You have to be You have to be serious, all those things. Yeah, I heard that. Um, you know, I heard attentiveness, um, um, being um, understanding you're in a partnership and things of that nature. I think those are great, um, great ideas, great character traits and uh, things of that sort. So I appreciate you sharing. Six one five, I'm coming to you now as we um, have this thought provoking conversation um, surrounding family, surrounding relationships. As we ask the question, how much money will it take to fix our relationships and home? I know you've been holding the line for a while. So what's on your mind based upon what you're hearing, or what do you desire to share? Hey, John, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. So, all right, that's Miss Mary calling. Yes, yes. Uh, first of all, it's a question I'm going to try to tunnel and focus on one aspect. But you started off the conversation early as far as the article. The man said the trend in families, what was happening mm-hmm. in the black family. Mm-hmm. And just going back to that comment, there are so many uh, factors, I think, that have brought us to where we are today, uh, some sociological, economics, of course, and then there's just a, a pattern of, I'll just refer to people in general. You mentioned the fact that you were a child of the 70s, and you said the conversation that you had with some of your older relatives as far as if someone came up pregnant in the family and how they had to deal with the repercussions thereof. I think you have to, as a health professional, I always consider the factor of what's going on in the world at the time, especially in the black community. But I think you need to consider the fact of birth control uh, at that time, as far as back as the early days before the emergence of birth control. I heard uh, Stephanie say that she was a product of uh, parents that weren't married. I, too, am a product of parents that weren't married. But at that time, my mother said that, you know, with search with situations and circumstances, and it's still hard for me to believe today with all the birth control that is out here, the number of young women who come up pregnant. But that's a whole other conversation. But back to mm-hmm. your point as far as what we can do to fix it, I think that we live in a society of very selfish people as far as parenting is concerned. For the simple fact that once we decide to have these children, then we expect um I guess men to take on the role that we do as well. And as the old saying goes, mama's baby, daddy's maybe. So as a female, and I look at a lot of my colleagues in my field, there was a time when a lot of uh, people in my career who were professional women who couldn't find suitable partners or husbands or boyfriends or who had not gotten married. And I can just think of five people off the top of my head by the time the clock started ticking in the, in their mid-30s, they opted to have children. So mm. that being said, on the economic side, these are professional women who economically could take care of a child on their own, and a lot of them went into this uh, situation saying that I want a child. It doesn't look like I'm going to get married, as I heard Stephanie kind of mention too. So I want a baby, so I'm going to have a baby. So a lot of them have had children, and just reflecting back now, some of these kids are, you know, early teens. 
the fact of the matter is is that some of those men step up, stepped up to the plate and at least tried to have an active part in these kids' lives, i.e., as you said, they know their father, and then some they've never seen again. But mm. as far as economics, the, the mothers were able to provide for the children with the same token. I'm thinking of one child in particular. He is a male child who does not have any male figures in his family, who does yearn to know his father. I mean, he knows his father, but he don't know him. He doesn't have a relationship with him. But at the same time, I think that the whole gist of the matter is that it is a woman's responsibility, and when we decide to have these children, you have to be selfless and consider what do you want for your child. I mean, money is not going to fix a child who wants to know their father, a child who wants a relationship. And even if it's not their father, a male figure that they can look up to. Stephanie mentioned the fact that she had a, a, a homosexual friend who has taken upon herself to be sure that she put her boys in an environment where they have male figures that they can look up to. How many people actually take the time to seek out and do something of that nature? How many people or women have uncles and aunts in their family who they even look up to much less want their kids around? So, I mean, mm-hmm. there are so many parameters that you have to consider when you talk about children and we have to realize, and I, you know, I'm really making a plea to women especially, you have to consider the whole picture when you bring a child in this world. As I said before in your show, if I didn't get pregnant in the 70s, I just don't understand the explosion of all these young women having children, and it's not just one, it's two, three, and four, with two, three, and four men. I don't understand it. I can't understand the health aspect of it as far as disease is concerned, but at the same time, going back to your point, does a child need to know his father? And I think they do. My father was not there, but I knew who he was. I had a relationship with him, like Stephanie. I got picked up with my clothes in a brown paper bag, and he came and picked up my two sisters and I, and we went there. He wasn't there when we took us, when he took us to his house with his wife, but I know my brother. And to this day, our relationships are still strong, because even though my father may have picked us up maybe once a month on the weekend, he picked us up on Friday, he dropped us off. My brothers would say they were happy to see us coming because he knew my father was going to the grocery store. They were going to have food in the house for a while because my mother said they better be fed and clean when they come back. So there was a standard set that you have to at least immerse your children in their family on both sides because at this particular day in my life, I'm proud to say, even though he wasn't there at registration, he was always there at graduation. So at least I knew who he was, and at some point, that I did have some type of sense of value in his life. A lot of these children nowadays, you know, they're just lost in more in more ways than one. That's all I can say. And it's just really sad. So Yeah, no doubt about it. Your point, uh, I think selflessness plays a, a, a large role in today's society is trying to fix it. We have to stop being so selfish when it comes to children. That's my biggest point right there. I just yeah, think no people are just selfish. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, um, yeah, I tend to agree with you, particularly when you make the point, uh, Mary, that a lot of times um, you saw in your generation where some women, they certainly um, have the economic means to um, to become a parent, but they they were missing that other part, and the other part being um, that male energy, um, that father there on a day-to-day basis, that sort of thing. Um, do, you, do you think that... Um, when do you think when women make that choice, um, do they look at the consequence of those choices? So maybe they don't connect the dots. Um, I, honestly, I, I'm just speaking from a personal perspective. A couple of the, the women that I'm thinking about, they did do, I'll just use the term loose and say research as far as their father's background, um, uh, one, unfortunately, you know, did not, and I think that in her case it was fatal. And then, two, I think some of it as far as the child is concerned as well because, you know, p- children, when they get to a certain point, they have to decide to want to be something, too. So I don't just put it on the parent all the time. But when you're trying to mold that child, I tell people all the time, you have to always be careful as far as who you have around the child an example that you set for your children. You know, and as Stephanie said, and you alluded to the fact, too, when we were coming up, you know, there was always that outcast, aunt, a sister, or you go around thinking somebody is somebody's uh, cousin or whatever, and you find out 
when you get grown that that was their child they had when they were 14 years old because they were raised mm-hmm. by, you know, by the mother, grandmother, something like that. Nowadays, right. it's accepted. You know, when I was coming up, if you were pregnant, you only had a baby shower if you were married with a husband mm-hmm. about to have a baby. Nowadays, people throw baby showers, so who's ever having a baby? I don't care if they're 13 to 25. Yeah. I mean, yeah. our societies, the standards that we have now, especially in our community, are pretty much in the toilet. Now, at one point, do we say, okay, enough, and stop perpetuating, you know, this idea? I'll just use uh, uh, very quickly. I had an employee long ago, uh, not too recently, I think within the last year, who got pregnant. Now, she already already has a child, and she was having problems with that child because that child's father was not active in her life. And the irony of it is is the father works with her her. her stepfather and her cousins, male people at that. That's a whole nother story. But she Mm. came up pregnant. And my question to her was, you just told me last month that this five-year-old you have is wondering why her father doesn't like her. Now you come up pregnant again with somebody, and she say, well, I say, well, are you in a relationship with this guy, whatever? She say, no, it's just a situation. And before I knew it, I said, what the hell is a situation? Yeah, what's a situation, right? Right. You know, it's not a relationship. It's a situation. And now you're pregnant. Fast forward now, 12 months later, this three-month-old child is here by another man. He wants to have nothing to do with her, doesn't come see the child, but she's calling this, this man's, I won't say young man, this young man's mother, saying, you know, what is he going to do? I mean, what what is our rationale? Where do these women get these ideas? A baby didn't keep a, a, a man with you in the 30s and 40s. It shows not going to happen in the 21st century. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. All this stuff has been here before. A baby does not make men stay. But for some reason, some young girls still think it. But I just go back to say again, we have to be held accountable, women, it may not seem fair to some, but it's the truth of the matter. These children come from our womb. When we decide to allow a man's seed to stay with us, then we have to deal with and look at the long-term repercussions of this child because he can go about his kids, and we see it around us every day all the time. So what mm-hmm. does it take to fix it? I think women have to stop being so doggone selfish and be held more accountable. It may be unfair, but, again, we don't want to bring the babies home. As my mother had all girls, she said, he can go do what he wants, but that baby coming home with you and me. I'm not going for it. So do women have these conversations with their girls and be sure that they hold true to the letter as far as accountability? We're too mm. selfish of a people, I think, and a lot of it has to do with these babies having babies and, you know, everybody's just giving everybody a free pass, and it's okay. Is it really no okay? Doubt yeah, is it really okay? That's interesting that you say that, Mary. Uh, if you can stay right there as we bring this conversation uh, um, home, roughly about seven minutes left in the discussion here. Um, Stephanie, I'm listening to what Mary said, and uh, she said that uh, the young lady, as she um, knows, she said that she, she doesn't have a relationship. She doesn't have a relationship. She have a situation, not a relationship, but a situation. Uh, interesting. Um, and thinking about that, that brings me to the point of brings me to the question, is um, – Marriage or relationships is it celebrated right now, and do you think should uh, premarital and family planning classes be more readily available to encourage and promote healthy relationships, leading to um, a strong marriage? What's, what's your thought about that? Because it doesn't. It looks like the cultural shift that uh, things like marriage, uh, not things like marriage, marriage itself is not celebrated um, in the African American community. We're now we're saying, hey, I'm in a situation. Well, that's to... normal, John. Mm. Normal right now. I mean, not to not to cut you off, but I just basically to get right into. It. I know you're short on time, but that's normal for today's standards because let's be honest. There, I personally believe, and I tell you, I say it all the time. I say it again. We don't need financial reparations. We need therapy <laughs> because from my experience. From a lot of women I've been around, I've been around black women who say, I'm, they'll say it before anything, I'm not getting married. Or I have a child, I knew I would be a single parent before I got married. And, or I knew I would have a child and I know I'm not going to get married. I don't believe black women 
in our situation believe they're worthy enough to be in a relationship with somebody who is loving them and who is taking care of them. And men, black men, don't believe that they're probably going to be the men that they think they're supposed to be because they don't know how to be such. So now we're dealing with women who don't know their worth, and then you're dealing with men who feel it's okay to disrespect and call them out, and then you that's a, it's a, a breach in that relationship that's kind of just off. And so then you wonder why your children grow up violent and don't know what to do and crying, have issues with the relationship, have issues with it, and it's just a, re- a cycle that goes over and over again. And not to say this is new, because like I said, nothing new under the sun, like Mary said, but it's what's right now is probably more relevant due to the fact we have social media. Every, everybody has camera phones. People taking taking video of a video I just saw of a man beating his child, mother, pregnant mother. This woman's pregnant and he's whooping her behind and people are giggling, recording this and before you know it, it was uploaded. So so family and, planning classes, do you think that that will help so people can see what a healthy family looks like? Maybe for people to see yes, what a family looks like to begin with. Will that be helpful? Yes, that's why I say besides financial reparations, we need therapy. Anything that can mm. possibly help you see this is what a positive relationship looks like. This is what it, how do you deal with certain situations? How do you deal with anger from um, situations? How do you deal with the fact that you had a hard day at work and this and that? Something, because it's not being taught at home because we're dealing with a lot of broken homes already. And no more, everybody's home is broken, regardless if it looks perfect on the outside or not. There's something that everybody's lacking. But at the end of the day, you still have to stop and look at the situation as being what it is. How do you get through it and how do you continue to move on? And then our problem is is that we don't see that. We see the fact that you got men and women, men, black men and black women that don't see their work with each other and know that feel that they're worthy enough to be in healthy relationships. Mm, great point. Mary, I have time to get you back in. And what's your thoughts about family planning, family planning classes and things of that nature? Is that um, something that being, that's being discussed in our community or something that's being taken seriously or should be taken seriously? We're talking family planning. Well, family planning in the school system and around I think is important. But, again, I think it also starts at the home. I mean, as the saying goes, charity begins at home and spreads abroad. It starts at the home. You know, my mother didn't say why I should or should not. She just said, don't do it. I had to mm-hmm. find out the whys on my own. And, again, I just think that we have to better prepare our young people as far as when they go out in the world, even as far as economic, you know, you send your kids off to school, sociological issues, everything. I just think that. The era I grew up in, we were just told not to do something, and you found out why. Well, what I try to do as a parent is let let my daughters know the whys of what the possibilities could be. You know, and it's funny, my my daughter who's in college is, is telling me now, well, you know, she'll call and say, well, Mama, you know, this one is pregnant, that one is pregnant, and I'm like 20 years old, they went away to school, and, I mean, it's the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, her comment was, by the time I start having children, they're going to be grandparents because she knows the parameters and the uh, expectations that I have placed on her as far as being a female. There is an order to things. Now, I'm not to saying that you're going to follow that order to the letter of the law, but I hold you accountable because, number one, if I didn't do it, I sure expect you not to do it because you know better. So I just think that we give we give too many of these young people passes, and at the same time, some of the parents need to look, again, as I always say, at the mirror at themselves and hold themselves accountable for where they lack. You can't start trying to raise kids when they're 14 or 15, and you've been running the streets and dropping them off at this one house and that one house so you can go on the street. Were you there with your child trying to mold your child? Did you leave that responsibility up to somebody else? You need to stop yeah, no being doubt. so selfish. That's my biggest point. Yeah, self, um, definitely. The whole act of um, parenting um, is a selfless act. And, um, hey, that whole idea of family planning must um, come into play if we plan on having um, successful families that lead to um, healthier communities, right? Um, A community is an extension of um, the family unit, right? Um, And we all come together in certain um, locations and um, certain um, 
um, certain communities, that sort of thing. So, folks, as we had the um, conversation surrounding how much money will it take to fix our relationships at home, as we um, as we explored that particular question and we ask ourselves, how important is money relative to our relationships and um, home life and the married life, right? Um, do we place too much of an emphasis on the um, whole money aspect? And to what degree does money come into play? Again, um, a quote, Lawrence Mead. He said, what matters for success is less whether your father was rich or poor than whether you knew your father at all. Folks, join us each and every Sunday, 5.30 Central Standard Time, MTAS, www.m-tas.org. Folks, remember, the community in which we live, the society in which we reside, is the community and society that we create. I am responsible. You are responsible. We are able to respond. Remember, this hour is being brought to you by John Green's Agency of American Family Insurance. Millions of Americans are currently at risk of losing their life insurance protection. Folks, if you are living without life insurance protection, 773-881-9555 is the number. Till next week.